you're feeling blue. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're like I am, you don't spend a lot of time really consciously thinking about what your faith is or what your practices are or um, what your way of grounding yourself is in the world day to day. Like you get busy, right? I mean, I know this weekend that I went shopping, I had to go to about eight different places for just like one thing or the other. Plus I had to get ready for the solstice service that's tonight, which I already had ready, but I had to find all these like little ingredients all over the place. And then I needed to make dinner and I had about eight phone calls to make. So when was I going to take the time to have this practice that I'm talking about as a Unitarian Universalist? When, I, when was I going to do that? Because I'm not getting up early. Some people like to get up early. I know Bill's an early, <laughs> early guy, but you know I'm already getting up at 7, so I'm going to get up at 6. So, so the idea here is figuring out how to create that faith inside of you. And I'm using faith with you know, quotation marks around it. Um, but that's something that's easy, that's right there, that's just, you know, in our kitchens. So there are a lot of reasons people perform ritual, and I'm using ritual as a way to instill faith formation. Um, but basically, just to be clear about what a ritual is, it's something that you're doing with intention. So if you're running around all day yesterday doing whatever you're doing for the holidays, your intention is to get your list done. But if your intention is to live in joy or to live in peace or to you know, practice your faith, you have to set that intention. And the way to get to the intention is through ritual. Uh, ritual joins all, yeah? Can you explain what you mean by faith, please? And yeah. faith formation? Yes. So um, when I'm talking about Faith, I'm talking about Unitarian Universalism and the values of Unitarian Universalism. So I'm not talking about faith in a deity or faith in a um, goddess or faith in yourself even, just the, the faith tradition, our faith tradition, Unitarian Universalism. And the formation of that faith is through ritual, practice, education, worship, service. So that's, that's what I mean. So you're saying faith is values, really? Yeah. Yeah, because that's how I interpret it. Yeah. yeah, and because we're Unitarian Universalists, I'll say Unitarian Universalist values. Mm -hmm. But if you're in a different faith, then those values would be, you know, Christian values, uh -huh. which is broad, or Jewish yeah. values, or whatever. If someone says Zoroastrian yeah. values. <laughs> good words, good deeds, thoughts, and good deeds. Val values. Yeah. yeah. So, um, also though there's another understanding of ritual other than doing something with intention is also um, connecting what's here with what's beyond here, which gets into the metaphysical and the divine and maybe the magical, but it's clear from the research that when you set an intention around what you're doing, it changes things. For instance, if you decide to take a bath and you're just going in to, to relax, you have your wine and your candle, that's one kind of bath. But if you go in and you carefully take off your clothes and you say, I am intentionally doing this because I, uh, I'm intentionally bathing because I want to cleanse myself, 
ritualistically, that sets a different mindset. And the science shows that that actually is showing up in your mind and in your, in your behavior. So setting intention and setting ritual actually has a power in it. So if we are running around on Saturday with the intention of shopping, we can get our list done. But if we're running around on Saturday with the intention that we set beforehand of being friendly and bringing joy, for instance, to every person we meet, then that, that can happen. But you have to set the intention. So hmm. that's what we're talking about, about ritual. Could be considered mindfulness. It is exactly mindfulness. Isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It all comes back to that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, but rituals are, can be family customs, and they don't have to be family customs. So if you have the um, family come together at Thanksgiving and you each go around and make a toast about what you're grateful for, that's a custom that is now a ritual because you are intentionally setting that time aside to do that. Um, other family customs that people have, when, um, just for an example, when Isaac was small, my son is Isaac, we would, he would take a bath, three or four years old, and then he'd run out and he'd sit on my lap and I'd snuggle him all up and we'd watch The Simpsons. That's a habit, it's a custom, but it's not a ritual. So I want to try to get you to think of some family customs that are not rituals. Just name a couple. Well, having dinner together or something. Exactly. It's a custom, a practice. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe uh, tucking in at night and reading a story, um, taking a walk after certain, dinner. Watching certain TV. Exactly. They're all practices. They're all customs, maybe, but they're not. They're not rituals. Because the other element of a ritual is a, a spiritual practice, which is what we're hinting at here. So, um, well, don't you think that, uh, like, an ethical culture where they're atheists, they can have ritual? Absolutely. So it's not yeah. necessarily spiritual. Right. But I'm leading us down the path of spiritual well, because we're be, talking about faith formation. You can be a, a, a spiritual atheist. Yeah. Yep. You can, yeah, but yeah. what if you're not? What if you're not spiritual? You still have. Well, what's spiritual? But what's spiritual to do with yeah. spirituality? What's spiritual again? We're back to definition. Yeah. What is spirituality? Yeah. Lois. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather try and figure out if there are rituals that are for other reasons than spiritual reasons. Oh, I see. I think yeah. that's an interesting. There are definitely rituals well, that are yeah. not spiritual. Yeah. But if you're talking about faith formation and yes. theology, okay. we are focusing on the ones that are spiritual. Yeah, okay. yeah. And and if we define sacred as something that's just set aside, <coughs> right? Mm -hmm. Then that sacredness doesn't have to do with divinity. It's just something we're setting aside and focusing on. So those words are complicated, right? Sacred, sacred, spiritual. Um, so sacred is setting it aside? Setting, setting aside something as right? special and of worth, right? Oh. So, but that, that doesn't mean that anything divine right. it's just is part of it. It's just separate and of worth. No, for me, everything is sacred. You are a good you-you. The universe is sacred. It's all yeah. sacred. Yeah, yeah. But other people who are atheists might not use that word. They might cringe at that word, mm -hmm. sacred. 
or spiritual, or they might, you know, hold that word. I had a, um, in uh, Plainfield, we had one of those famous atheists come. He's actually really dogmatic and in your face about atheism. <laughs> And he, he says, you're an atheist. And I'm like, I'm not an atheist. I don't describe myself as an atheist. I don't believe in the Christian idea of God, but I don't think I'm an atheist. And he says, you're an atheist. If you don't believe in the Christian God, you're an atheist. <laughs> and I thought, well, so there you are again, right? I mean, that definition. definition. Yeah. Exactly. What definition are you using? So rituals have great power and influence, like I said, because of the intention putting some attention there. And people have all kinds of rituals. And you don't have to call it a ritual. Ritual, Andre said mindfulness. You know, you could just be mindful about what you're doing. Um, so, and like I said again, the series of psychologists and scientists have all seen that there has been a difference in people and in outcomes by using ritual, by, by setting intentions. So, um, I thought that we should do a, a, a little ritual practice right now together. <laughs> and like I said, um, a lot of this is going to be from your own kitchen, from your own house. And this one is just from your own self. So we're just going to close our eyes and sit with our feet solidly on the ground and take a breath. And let it out. Just sit and center yourself into the room by taking another breath. Listen to the sounds around you, the clock, the wiggles. Just think about what you'd like to get out of this workshop today. Just make a statement in your mind with your next breath. With your next breath, what will you give to the group gathered here? Just name it inside. a little ritual practice. We're not meditating, we're just practicing a ritual of breathing before you do something. 
breathing before you have your conference call, breathing before you go meet your crazy, oh, sorry, your crazy sister, <laughs> you know, whatever it is that you just take the moment, I'm going to breathe, my sister has worth and dignity, I love her, I want out of this calm, you know, serenity, and I'm going to bring peace, you know? So, like, you have this little conversation with yourself. You set up this little ritual before something. Um, I have a, a Pusteka that talks about creating this little ritual each time in the morning. You know, thinking of the action that you're going to take for the day. You take a breath. You declare the action. It's just a, a ritual. Oops. Uh, I'm gonna take. No, I'm gonna take Andres because he has a partner. <laughs> Thank God. Thanks, Andre. <laughs> Thank you. So, getting centered, then asking what you want to bring into the to the space and what you offer to the space. Um, She's suggesting like sipping water or taking some kind of action, this, this author here. But this is one um, ritual just to take out of the space. So there are certain things you want to remember about creating ritual. And the first, which I've said many, many times, is intention. Like why are you doing it? What's the point? Are you doing it to let something go? Uh, maybe a, an event or a season or, or grief or fear? Or are you trying to bring something to yourself? You know, summoning joy, summoning peace, um, summoning power, which when you summon, you shouldn't summon things that could hurt people. <laughs> so you summon careful power <laughs> or, or collaborative power. Um, connection. Perhaps you want to connect with someone. I, um, one time, was very intentional about meditating, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my ministry, with my career. This was many years ago. And I just sat and I said, I'm going to bring into my life someone who's always um, had wisdom. And, and I just sat there and, and breathed and nothing happened. But that night, I dreamt about that person. So that's, that's the other thing is you don't necessarily get what you need right away like you have to be open to a little space of time and then sometimes you want to remember something remember an event in your life or remember someone so that's another intention and then of course there are other intentions like you know just being the best that you can showing up being generous so and then choosing a place now this person that I took this information from she wants you to choose a space that you consider sacred or a space that uh, speaks to you, which I think those are important things, like Central Park, or maybe your, your chair in front of your fireplace, or something like that, or creating an altar that then makes that room sacred. But I think any place that you are, you can do it. I mean, we're, we're Unitarian Universalists. We're <laughs> we have flexibility in, um, in what we mean by sacred, but also creating that space is by being connected to that space. You don't have to designate a space. And then there's also different times of 
you know, in the day, different times in the, in the moon cycle, the lunar cycle, different times in the seasons that you could um, pick particular things, like today's the winter solstice. So I thought, well, today's a good day to talk about ritual. <laughs> um, the Probably the biggest time of the year for me around ritual is the winter solstice. But that's not necessarily true for other people. You know, just a couple days, there's Christmas, and other people have Hanukkah. There's, you know, things throughout the year. So um, <clears throat> one of the rituals we'll talk about is with children is creating um, special moments around, uh, like, uh, Winnie the Pooh, A.A. Milne's birthday, or Dr. Seuss's birthday, or, you know, creating moments of celebration and, and um, ritual around special things like that. And then, of course, um, you have to breathe. Breathing is a part of everything. <laughs> breathing is good. <laughs> breathing is good. Um, but it also, Andre mentioned mindfulness. This is really what it's about, right? Is bringing mindful intention to whatever is going on. Um, make sure you're safe. You know, don't do spiritual, um, you know, dancing with an open flame. <laughs> If your eyes are closed, <laughs> I mean, be mindful to that. In the kitchen. Huh? In the kitchen. In the, yeah, yeah. Respect your environment. Um, one thing that I think Unitarian Universalists might be good at is also being open to doubt um, and, and, and mystery. Like, oh, this might not be working, but my, you know, this is what I believe. Or even saying to yourself, this is my sitting here and trying to be calm um, and, and, trying to influence the other person's calmness, that's never going to work. But maybe it will, you know. Um, so just doubt is okay. Make space for whatever arises. Be patient. Like I said, it doesn't necessarily happen right away, that thing that you're seeking. So the key to creating a ritual is to start small, make it intentional, and make it a commitment. So you could do a, an intentional ritual each morning. I find that challenging because as soon as I set a devotion every day, I'm never going to do it. So my intention is to try, you know, three times a week or, you know, that type of thing. Or, um, but to make a commitment. To do something you enjoy and to be kind to yourself if you forget or you don't do it. Right? So I'd like to do another ritual here. And I'd like you to dig into your pockets or your purse or your backpack, whatever, and find an object that is meaningful to you. Maybe you have something in your pocketbook, maybe you don't. Maybe something in your purse, your pocket. And then I'll invite you to bring something up and put it on our altar. You can just bring it up, you don't have to say anything. You'll get it back. Oh, good. <laughs> I was I'm going to trade. No. Oh, yeah? Hey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you.
we have an altar. Now we have an altar. <laughs> Well, so everything here has some meaning on some level to everybody. And now that it's part of our communal altar, when you take it back, it'll always actually have in it this shared moment. So it's not a fast food, but uh, <laughs> now these are special objects. And the other thing is that we always have the means to become more aware, more intentional, intentional, bring the sacred in on us, with us. We always have the time to do that, the moment to do that, because we always have things that we care about with, with us, you know, our, our, our button, something in our pocket, our house keys. Um, I was looking for my house keys. I had my keychain. I got it. I'm 54. I found a key when I was 15. And that's how long I've had that keychain. Never any other keychain. Yeah. And to me that, you know, the, the um, stability, longevity, that's all in that keychain, right? So does anyone want to speak to why um, you might have put something up here? Why, why your plugs? Do you want to share? Yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I was thinking, well, I was elevated by so many songs yesterday, and I was just thinking, I mean, this is the portal to having yeah. a wired experience. Yeah. Not so much into the wireless experience. No. I thought this is a, a portal to other worlds, basically. Yeah. Mm. Nice. Mm. Uh, mine was a bookmark that my mom had given to me when I moved from Texas to New York. Nice. My scarf, I bought it um, at Olana in the gift shop. I went up there for my birthday weekend celebration in a way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I remember that day with great happiness. Mine was a coin that my late boyfriend gave me many, many years ago. Mm. He said, it's good luck. Yeah. So I carry it with me every day. Yeah. Mine is the penny that I found on the way up here today. <laughs> <laughs> I have my handkerchief, but this is my, my grandmother always had handkerchiefs, so it connects me to my grandma, even though this wasn't hers. <laughs> Mine was a card that says, you are beautiful. <laughs> Mine's a little notebook uh, mm -hmm. that I keep of all the books that I had read over the now last number of years before mm -hmm. taking with me to the library. Mm -hmm. Mine is uh, the joy button, which I love to just kind of give out, and it helps me connect sometimes even to strangers. Mm -hmm. yep. Mine's a pocket calendar that I've uh, had every year since probably 30 years, so it's yeah. past and present, future. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So when you are with your family at dinner, you can have everyone create the centerpiece for dinner by having someone, you know, pull things out of their pockets. Or this has a, a tremendous calming effect when you have a lot of children around. That, and everything is just too loud and noisy to have everyone put something special on a table and share. So, um, and 
it doesn't have to be in your pocket. I mean, if you're at your house, you can walk around and find different objects. We're doing a winter solstice service this afternoon, and I just walked around my house and pulled a plant and pulled a tree ornament and, you know, a piece of greenery to create the, the space to make it more sacred. And an altar makes this time together just feel differently. Doesn't it feel different now compared to when we first? Mm-hmm. I think it does. Um, so other rituals like clearing the space, has anyone ever done that? Cleared the space? Do you know what I mean by that? (laughs) Where you you don't have to have sage or lavender or something, but you can. Um, uh, and, or you can just, you know, kind of blow, brush the air out to the, you know, into the open windows. My, when I moved to a house that didn't feel right, with the energy when I, many, many years ago, my um, husband and I were walking around just saging and, and blessing the space and, you know, kind of shifting the air out. And uh, my son comes in and I'm going to swear, he says, he was about 17. He's like, what kind of hippie shit is this? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I said, well, we're just clearing out the energy. And I explained everything to him and he turns around and he leaves. He's like, don't forget my room. (laughs) So it's funny that people question the things that we can do to make things special and sacred, but then a lot of times they participate. Other people will always be negative about it, so, but that's okay too. Um, Does anyone uh, bless your food or say a prayer or something before dinner or, you know, a prayer of gratitude or... um, Yeah. So that's another one. Um, chanting. Chanting. Anyone chant? So, um, let's see. Other rituals. I'm going to suggest suggest a whole bunch. Um, instead of just writing a New Year's resolution, that you have a notebook and have your family or your friends, everyone put the New Year's resolution in there, and then you can check it throughout the year to see if you're achieving it. But then also year from year, you can um, write down your new resolutions so that, you know, in 20 years, you're like, oh my gosh, in 20, 20 years ago, I said I'd do this and, you know, whatever. That could be challenging to some people. <laughs> yes, but it's, I, I like, I like lists and I like um, that type of thing. So it works for me. Um, we can review the past year as a, as a ritual with your, does anyone do that on New Year's Eve or... Rosh Hashanah, or do you kind of review the past year? How, and does it look a particular way? Um, I just, I know going in, I'm going to feel a little bit down that I didn't do a lot of the things that I list. <laughs> I like list literally like close to 100 things that just like come into my mind as ideas, and I'm just like, well, I've got a few done. Yeah. But um, I don't know. New decade, maybe I'll amp it up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Plan for the whole decade, or just... Well, maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe some, yeah. Um, one of the things that I, I, I don't do, but I found this looked like it was kind of fun, is to write down what was your most embarrassing moment from last year. I, although I wouldn't remember, because as soon as that happens, I kind of try to keep it out of my head. Um, or a, if I had a photo on People Magazine, what, what instant in my life would it have been in the past year? You know, um, or... I know my family's annoying, but they really came through for me when, 
And then, so you just have a notebook and kind of have this ritual intention set. Or like I said earlier, celebrate authors or artists for their birthdays. Honor the seasons, honor the changes in your life. Um, scavenger hunts with children in particular kind of uh, can be ritualized. Uh, one of the things that I try to do is a surprise act of kindness. Have you done things like that, like gone to Starbucks and paid for the person behind you, or um, mm -hmm. have you done surprise acts of kindness? Yeah. Yeah. Not, not the one that you just said. Yeah. <laughs> Put coins in someone's meter, or yeah. I mean, there are other things. Um, but you could do that ritualistically. You can say, "I'm today. I'm going to walk out into the world, and, I, and my intention is to say hi to everyone, you know, or mm -hmm. feed the meters, or whatever." Um, gratitude, of course, being grateful. And now getting into some of the kitchen stuff, um, tea, does anyone do a tea type of, does anyone drink tea? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I have a ritual of having tea every afternoon. I have tea, um, you know, like the English do, tea. <laughs> and, um, and I do that. My mother raised us with tea in the afternoon, and we'd have a tea break at like 4 o'clock every afternoon. We'd get home from school, talk a little, have tea. And, and she always had a way of making it very special. And it wasn't around the food, you know, like cookies or something, but it was around the conversation. And my grandma would be there, and my sister and my brother. And then, so I've always had tea in the afternoon because it connects me to them. And then my son, I have, um, I raised him the same way. We always had tea in the afternoon, and, and that was a way that we could talk and connect. And now he has tea at home. So he doesn't live with me. He lives in Albany, but he'll, he um, has tea in the afternoon, and sometimes he'll call, sometimes he'll text. But just honoring that yeah. time. Uh, I grew up with that same tradition. Mm -hmm. And um, so now, even though I don't do it, I was going to say religiously, I don't <laughs> do it ritually, <laughs> um, I feel a very strong urge to have tea at yeah. that time of day. Yeah. And that's, you know, I often will look at my watch and oh, it's 3.30, it's 4 o'clock, yeah. 4.30. It's around that time when I'm supposed to be having tea. It's something that, you know, is very deeply ingrained wow. ritual yeah. in my life. Exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think with my family, it kind of was rich, sort of ritualistic in a way. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. When we got home from school, mm -hmm. that's kind of what the family did. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, I have a handout here. This is a whole bunch of stuff around kitchen rituals, using the colors of food, for instance, or Smells one for you guys. Using different uh, scents, different colors, uh, candles to create the rituals that you want to, um, you know, or or to make tea time special, to make whatever scents I have in here, and then um, food and drink. Uh, this person who wrote this book, <clears throat> The Joy of Ritual, this is where this comes from, she uh, 
puts the meaning, she's done a lot of research, so she puts a lot of meaning to whatever the object is. Like she explored this. But for instance, like mangoes, sensuality, milk, nurturing, oyster, sensuality. Hmm, right in the middle one. Got those. Pomegranate, rebirth, popcorn, creativity. So um, if you were wanting to create a ritual that included food. One of the practices that my son and I did growing when he was growing up was to have um, on the table, we don't do it here, but have you been in a Unitarian Universalist church where they do joys and sorrows? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so they, they might have a moment in the um, service where people can come up and light a candle and share their joy or come up and light a candle and share a sorrow or sometimes they drop a rock in. Yep. Um, water or something like that. So in our house, we had a, a rose and a thorn. And it was a way to keep my son talking because he was a very introverted, very quiet person. So we'd have, we sit down at dinner. What was, what was a rose for today for you? What happened that made you feel really good that was beautiful or you know, made you happy? And so it was fun to say rose or thorn. Uh, and then, of course, he, he's a word person, so then we had to find other words. So like um, a rock and a, and a handshake or something, you know, like just different things. <laughs> um, so it, it grew out of that. Um, so like rose and thorn checks in, check-ins at dinner time. And if you're by yourself, you can do that for yourself too. I do that at night before I go to bed. Like, what was the best thing that happened to me today? And, or the hardest, because sometimes crap's just hard, right? I mean, it's just like, life is hard, and I didn't like that that happened, but I got something out of it. I mean, it was meaningful. This person, you know, pointed out something I needed to know. Um, but then also, where are you thankful? Where, what are you looking forward to tomorrow? Just kind of quieting your mind and ritualizing, examining your life. Um, there are a lot of people who don't really do that, who don't really have that internal self-awareness that, um, that I think we need. Uh, and then another thing um, is the fear box. Have you heard of that before? Where you just write your fear on a piece of paper or your anxiety, but you just name it and you can put it in a box and bury it in your yard or you can put it on a piece of paper and burn it Candles are very useful for that. Um, so, let's see. So, clearing space, I said, gratitude, yep. <laughs> so, that's what I wanted to share with you. We're done a little bit early, but do you have some questions or, or ideas or, or anything that you would like to... Yeah. Question. What's your name again? Michael. Michael. Hi. Tracy. Tracy. So, could you speak more to like blessings on food? I don't know mm -hmm. if like from your own personal experience or if you read a book on it or an article or whatever. I'm just uh, curious as to how I can better connect with food. Yeah, that's um, a good question. In a holy, sacred way. Yeah. Does anyone have any anything that they do? Any practice? Well, um, Pamela did a, a great mindfulness, mindful eating session. I don't know anybody. Were you? Um, yes, you were there, Miley. Wasn't it wonderful? Was she gave us each a clementine, mm -hmm. and then we spent a long time being mindful about this 
this one thing that we were each holding in our hands, right. looking at it, examining the shape of it, and smelling the texture, it. smelling it, and then we opened it and we ate a piece mm. and we held it in our mouth without chewing into it first. And, you know, so it was a whole procedure of really getting to know this piece of fruit, and then discussing it afterwards revealed that people felt very, you know, like they, it had opened up a whole new way of looking at. Mm. food and eating to them mm. and so and Harry and I my partner Harry was here also so we talked about doing that at home so a couple of times we've really we keep forgetting of course uh -huh. you're just hungry you want to eat right but there have been times where we've done that you know, taken something and really mm. slowed mm. way down so that's right. kind of could be a ritual if you did it mm. on a regular basis mm. or it's just being mindful about right you know trying mm. to be mindful at any, at any point I had one when, when I read your thing for today, mm -hmm. what came to mind in the household was a spoon. Yeah. And that uh, nurtures my body. What else could I spoon? So mm -hmm. I'm just looking at a utensil. Right. Mm -hmm. so, so spending time with, do you cook or do you eat out? Cook. Yeah, so spending time with where things come from, you know, uh, like quinoa, where the heck's that come from? So getting clear, making some awareness, I think that is the first thing, um, and of where your food's coming from. And if you're a vegetarian or if you eat meat, you know, that clarity of connection to who, who farmed or who killed or whatever. And then the awareness of actually the process of eating and, and so you don't even have to say a blessing, but the awareness and the intention is a blessing. Mm -hmm. And um, and I think also, I mean, I don't do this personally because I, I just get out of practice, but I would love to be more mindful about what I eat. And my husband is a um, excellent cook and very mindful. So we'll sit there and be like, oh yeah, this is awesome, but not to the deeper awareness of this, you know, chicken came from New Jersey poultry farm or whatever. But I love the idea of just being very mindful and holding it and really tasting everything. And I just remembered something she suggested that was helpful, which was she asked us, each of us um, in the room what was our favorite thing mm -hmm. to eat. And then she suggested having that be the thing that anytime you eat that, try to practice this. Start yeah. with that, that thing. Um, Particularly, really, mm. and I've tried to do mine with coffee, to, and yeah. I, I, I don't do it all the time, but yeah. I try to. And how's that been? And I, it's, it makes the day wonderful, you know, the first cup, and just trying to be really mindful mm -hmm. of that. And so, mine was a, was pomelo, which is you know big, these big grapefruits. Oh yeah. Many people don't even know what they are. <laughs> um, so if I can find them and buy them, uh, you know, it takes a long time to get that pith off and break it open. So it's a citrus fruit. Epicurus, 2,300 years ago, said, savor. Yeah. Slow down. Yeah. And really savor it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, a few years ago, there was a uh, definitive book written about chocolate, mm. uh, which, of course, I bought for one of my many sisters, and uh, the cook. And, uh, and uh, so I was uh, reading uh, through it, and there was a whole chapter uh, about uh, when you eat chocolate, never chew it. 
Just let it melt in your let mouth. Let it melt in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, since then I have not chewed chocolate. You know, I do that Before too. that I was voracious about it. Yeah. You know, I'm still voracious about it, but, but not chewing it. And mm -hmm. it's a whole different experience. Wow. Yeah. And it gives you endorphins. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that, that's another approach you can take is what are you, what are you getting out of this, you know, the, yeah. the, 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 the yeah. chemical, physical, biological you get it. You know, part and, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, really tuning into you know, you know, what, what it is that makes you feel a certain way or able to perform in a certain way. Mm -hmm. and whatever, whatever, you know, whatever door or window you can find into it, take it. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, it's a... Uh, Yogi Berra, one of his many quotes was, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Right. The tea time is a, is a way for me to just quiet down and to really pay attention to the food. Um, and I'm terribly mindful of the meat I eat and I try, I'm not vegetarian, but I'm really more towards the vegetarian side than the meat side. And um, if I think too much about what I'm eating, then I don't want to eat it. So I'm, so that helps, right? <laughs> um, but this year, for my, we were talking about moving forward with food into the new year and being more mindful. My husband and I were talking about it. And so we made a few little rules that we're going to practice. And one is that, like, you know, so much cake and, and all that stuff, you know. And I'm just like, oh, sugar, blah, 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 and I'll eat it. But... What I love are chocolate chip cookies that are homemade. And I just love, that has a special taste to me versus anything else. So we've committed to just eating the sweet that we like, not eating every sweet. So, um, and the same with, with the meat. We're cutting way down you know, on, on um, meat or processed foods. I made cookies for Christmas. No, I didn't. My husband made cookies. <laughs> he made cookies for Christmas. I didn't. I really didn't. Uh, I would like to claim them. But he made homemade cookies, and then he made some sugar cookies from the you know prepackaged. And you can tell the difference. Even even in the best pre-processed foods, just are not as good as what you make on your on your own. What and, you can make it all. Or that he can make it. All. <laughs> yes. So um, that kind of awareness. On um, Sunday, I'm going to be talking a bit about honey, and I didn't want to bring the whole honey ritual into here because I'll be doing a honey thing for the um, service next Sunday. So, but um, honey has so many uh, qualities to it, uh, healing and uh, preserve, preservation and taste, you know, sweetening and everything. Um, so just exploring food from that place of how it's used, who uses it, where is it vital, where is it, you know, superfluous, you know? Can I share something on that? Yeah. So I'm studying Chinese herbalism with the program for it, and um, ever since I went to one of these, like, plant medicine ceremonies, outside of my program, but mm -hmm. it's totally changed my relation. Like, when you're, when you're feeling a little bit under the weather and you're, you know, steeping the tea or you're just looking at it, just like connecting to the the whole multitude of benefits that it's going to provide your body, yeah, really elevates one's relationship with nature. And even when you leave that ceremony and you start looking at the trees and things like that, you see the pines, you see all these different things that have been used 
in different cultures for thousands of years, it really connects you on the inside and outside. Mm -hmm. So I thought I'd just, uh, on the subject of healing. The other thing, uh, when I was in college, I lived with a um, family out on the West Coast. He was a physicist and um, very smart, lovely person, big on gardening. And I would always say, what? What is the name of that tree? What's that tree? What's that tree? And he, at dinner one night, he says, look, learn your trees. You should know your trees. <laughs> the trees in your neighborhood, the trees in your state, you should just know them. That is part of being a human being. And since then, you know, and he was just, <laughs> just straight up. And um, since then, I've always learned what the trees are. Always. That was like, you know, almost 40 years ago. So um, know your trees. And you can make that a ritual, you know, walking with people, taking a walk. Oh, I think this is a sycamore tree, you know, or let's, you know, and you touch it or whatever. There's so many ways to become more aware and intentional and mindful. A new discovery in science, New York State, Cairo, New York, has a fossil of the oldest tree yeah. in the world. Really? So in Cairo, New York. Mm. So far. So far. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. In our state. You know, a lot of what's been coming out here is, I should say, it's also about connoisseurship. You know, there was an article just a couple of days ago in which there was one sentence that jumped out at me for some reason, which was that there are more flavor elements in chocolate than there are in wine. And so there's a whole, I mean, just go to the chocolate section of any supermarket now and you find many things there that weren't there five years ago. Uh, and and right. so there's an appreciation of that. So, mm -hmm. I mean, wine has, has been the, the one that has been uh, held up as, you know, the epitome of connoisseurship is to understand these elements of mm -hmm. the flavor of wine. But, you know, in certain cultures, like take France with cheese, for example, um, and uh, the tea, you know, many elements of being able to, to, uh, to find and, uh, and, and uh, perceive, mm -hmm. uh, discern, the, the, the elements of it. Mm -hmm. And you can take that back in any direction. Where does it come from? What's it going to do for you? All those things. But just being able to, you know, to say, well, and perfume, that's the other one, is that mm -hmm. you know, professional perfumers, you know, somebody with a nose, mm -hmm. is, you know, it, it's, a, you know, it's a special. They can find mm -hmm. stuff that other people can't find. Mm -hmm. Right. So. Remind, yeah. Reminds me of a colleague of ours in Creativity World said that we could all become like wine tasters or chocolate, if we just take a sip and then kind of free associate to it <laughs> and keep doing that, it's like you develop your taste. You, know, you can do that with anything. Wow. Your discernment, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, with anything. Yeah, you know, media people, for example, who will look at you know, somebody's video, you know, and for them, you know, it, they can look at it and they understand how far away that is from broadcast quality video. They mm -hmm. just they just see it. You know, they have the art. Actually, the art world is full of you know, people who. Right. Look at a painting, look at a sculpture, they see stuff that mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. leaps out of the conscious. Mm -hmm. you know, You've heard of finding, the... Finding the complexity. There's yeah. a, a thing out of uh, my Psych 1 class in college called Internal Manifoldness. You know, and, you know, it was you know, <laughs> like came out of, the, out of the, the Hawthorne study of the General Electric factory where they weren't going around checking everything. And they, there was this woman whose job was, at the time, this was back in the 30s or 40s, uh, whose job was to take the light bulb and put it into some tissue paper in a box. 
And that's who they mm. packed it. And that's what she did every day for decades. Mm. Right? And so this, the person who's doing this great psychological study, you know, said, you know, you, this is, you know, you're doing this all the time. Isn't that, you know, too much of one thing? You don't want to say boring, but, mm. you know. And, and she said, oh, no. She said, they're all different every time. You put it in tissue paper goes somewhere different every time. Wow. Wow. She, it was like finding the, 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 no two snowflakes that you can find. Wow. 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 It, was, it was like it was internal manifoldness in everything. That's amazing. So I want to invite you to, um, we're going to close out. Um, I want to invite you to do two things. One is come up and take your object carefully. And then, then turn and face me and say goodbye to me. But say it in a way that's not um, uh, just frivolous or, hey, you know how people say, how you doing? And they have no interest in how you're doing. But in a way <laughs> that um, is meaningful. That, that's that's um, ritualized, you know, that mm -hmm. becomes sacred and ritualized. So I'll give you an example. So, Lois, I'll give it to you. Thank, Thank you. you. Live your day well. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Shall I just bring it to you? Listen from your heart. Thank you. Ritual. Peace and joy. Peace and joy.